chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 25. If you guys would like to stand up, that would be awesome. And uh, we'll read the scripture, we'll pray, and we'll get started. You don't have to if you can you know, but. Let the elders who rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning, uh, or sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but uh, those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We pray as we get into your word this morning that we would be um, convicted, uh, Lord, that we would be encouraged, that we would be changed. We want to align ourselves with you, Lord. We know we're being um, influenced by so much around us. There's a, there's a, a battle going on, and it's it's waging way gnarlier than we even think. And so help us to write our minds, help us to write our hearts before you. Uh, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move and, and uh, Lord, just, just guide us in the truth, Lord. Lord, we pray that you give us ears to hear, Lord. We pray you give us eyes to see. God, we pray that you would soften our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. So this letter... Um, is written to Timothy, uh, and he's a pastor that's been sent to Ephesus to deal with some, some gnarly stuff that's gone down. Again, Ephesus started in, in a, an amazing work of God, a really, really like pure and beautiful work, uh, so much so that the, um, you know, the tinsmiths that were making idols were going out of business. Um, they were, it was a, a dynamic work of God. Um, the Holy Spirit was moving. There was miraculous stuff happening. Uh, but some bad teaching has come in. And so Paul is sending Timothy, and he's been encouraging him. Timothy's a young pastor. He's been encouraging him to be brave and to continue to, to, to give the truth and to speak and to exhort and to encourage and to teach doctrine and, and to not let be unashamed or to not be ashamed of your youth or who you are, but to know that you've been called to this. And so he's also been encouraging them with how to deal with widows. What are really widows? We talked about that last week. How, do you, uh, how are we supposed to react to all these different things that were going on? So everything we see here is actually a real issue that was happening here in Ephesus, but it all applies to today. I love that, right? Isn't that so cool? Like something that is, if we get it in its context, we get it the, it, the best, Right? When we try to apply scripture just to like our daily life, we can miss it. Uh, understanding the context is the most important part. Because if we really understand it in context, we get a very clear picture of the message. Right? And so, uh, otherwise we get like kind of like a hodgepodge 
quilt of a message uh, that we can take this and take that and make it say whatever we want it to say. But if we get it in its context, then we really understand what's trying to be related and and given to them. So that's where we're at here. Uh, So uh, Timothy is being encouraged by Paul in verse 17. Let the elders who rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So elders would be um, what we would call pastors, right? And we've kind of already talked about elders and deacons and the qualifications, what they need to be about, what they need to not have in their life, right? And so this is continuing on with that. He's saying elders who rule well. I mean, these would be people who are faithful in serving the Lord. The, the word rule actually could also mean manage or lead. Uh, you know, that those who lead well, those who are about what they're, uh, they're doing the right things, be counted worthy of double honor. And the word honor means like value or price. And this, isn't, uh, this is actually speaking about compensation for those in these positions. And we'll see uh, a quote from Deuteronomy and a quote from Jesus. So it covers Old Testament, New Testament, also the Messiah. So it's, he's like, you know, made a strong point, I guess. Um, so he's speaking of that, but he's not talking about worthy of double pay. Just, you know, I think some pastors think that's the case. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what it is. But double honor in the sense of you honor them and what they're, the, the war that they're enduring in that position. And the battle does get, I used to kind of mock that idea uh, when I was like, um, you know, just getting involved, intern, and then, and then uh, youth, and then, you know, I feel like the, every step was like the warfare ramped up. <laughs> it was like, it just was like, ugh. I remember, I remember doing this thing when I, I hurt my knee once in high school and they did electro stim. You know what that is? Like they put the things on your leg and they would, it was at the sport clinic in Riverside and they would tweak it and they're like, how's that? And you're like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. And then they're like, okay, cool. And they like would jam it and all of a sudden your leg's got a life of its own. It's like moving around like there's, something's punching, you know, out, trying to get out. And you're like, ah, I think you're electrocuting me. You're like, they're like, kind of. Uh. And it's kind of like, it just can get ramped up. Uh, especially if you're seeking to do the right stuff. This is, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about those, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. Um, truth tellers uh, are scary for those who are promoting lies, right? Because the truth on its own, it just has an authority to it. There's a power to it. And so you can expect when you tell the truth to have a, a, a there's going to be a big backlash against it, Right? Because it's, it, it not only confronts ideas, but it confronts the heart, right? It cuts down to the core. And so a good pastor, we've seen already, or a good leader, will be one that instructs in word and doctrine. That, they will, that, that will teach and will encourage and will exhort with not the, the, the ideas of the day, but with the word of God, with the doctrines that have been set up by looking at the scripture carefully and understanding what God meant by this and how he meant it to be applied in our lives. So he's saying, if there's someone doing that and they're doing it well, then you want to honor that. And you also want to honor them in taking care of them. That's the idea, right? Paul is, he's such a, I think he's the perfect adversary in a sense for this. 
because he constantly says, you better take care of him. You better take care of him. And then he doesn't get taken care of himself. So he's like, I- I'm going to make tents, but you better take care of all them. And you're like, because if he said it, you better take care of them. You're like, you are them, Paul. You know, it's like when you write a rule for yourself, that's like playing games with kids. All of a sudden they have a new rule and you're like, oh, that rule is suspiciously helpful for you right now. We're playing the best, best out of three. Actually, it was, it was going to be the best out of seven. You know, okay. I think that might be because you've lost two, but I'm not sure, you know. So it's easy for us to manipulate. Paul, was, he was really good at not doing that, right? So we should value these, give honor and position and backing in, in a sense, financially. But here's the scripture. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So Deuteronomy 25, 4, uh, and, and then that's requoted again in 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and you're like, oh, totally, right? This is something I, I say, is, oh, I think about this all the time. Well, the idea was that the ox would be treading out the grain, doing the hard work with the millstone. Ox, their oxen are there like super strong, right? And they just, they're doing the labor. And the idea was that while an ox or oxen, I guess you go plural, get our plural right here. As they're working, they were given as much grain as they wanted. That was the idea. That you weren't, they weren't given, um, and by the way, this is not, mean pastor should get this uh, not in that sense but they were not they were not stopped from eating while they were working because if they were stopped from eating or muzzled they'd be losing power and they'd be losing the ability and they'd be losing kind of like their you know drive or desire I guess so that would be the the, the context of the verse right is don't limit them the, it, their intake so they don't have the power to do the work uh, obviously unlimited grain is not the same thing as it unlimited, but start unlimited funds or anything. That's not good. Matter of fact, that's the Bible speaks often about that not being a good thing, right? Uh, but starving is not healthy either, right? And unfortunately that's kind of more often the case. Um, and so when we look at, at, at the biblical examples, uh, of that, there's like a health thing to it. The Bible was about mental health before we knew about it, right? Like, <laughs> like, hey, you guys are working way too hard. Don't, if you're the one that's praying and you're delivering the word, don't wait all the tables. Get other people to help you, you know, that, that don't have necessarily that gifting. Here you go. Of course, it all gets abused. It can be. But this is where it's done in a proper context and, um, you know, done well. Because the other side of it is, um, I've known many pastors of large churches with large budgets that will like not think twice about um, buying like a hundred thousand dollar video screen that their pastors are working are going to bread lines for food, literally, like that's actually a thing, right? So you go, that's probably not good, you know. Um, this is not the case, like you know, like. We're, we're good. We survive. Thank God. You guys are awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm saying this is the idea. Paul really wants them to understand this because this is life in church ministry, right? Uh, that or else a second job. One of the worst things you could do is hire someone full-time and not pay them enough, especially when the full-time is like 60 hours a week. And then the, so you, you can't take a second job. This is what you do. Well, it's like, yeah, well, I literally can't survive, 
you know, so it's not going to work. So that's not good either. And, and the idea of, I think this is actually beyond just this. I think it's a good thing in general to pay people what they're worth. That's how you keep good workers. You see that happen all the time. A good worker who's doing really well, and then they have to leave because they're not being, and then they have to start over and try and find that person again only to lose them again, right? So if it's in our ability to, to bless someone and to take care of someone, we should do it. Think about it, I think about it like this. It's the in and out versus the McDonald's principle, right? In and out, would they like take care of their employees, right? And they do a really good job of that. And what's the advantage? They get really good employees. And they have to. I mean, in and out is like nuts all the time. It's like 1 a.m. on a Tuesday night, and there's like a three-hour line in, in and out. Like, how in the world is this possible? You know, not really. I'm exaggerating. But it's like, how are so many people hungry right now? Like, I don't get it. Like, and they're thinking the same thing about you. Why are you here? You know? But those workers, you could see, they got the window. It's the window of transparency. We don't get to see that as much at McDonald's. Right? I don't know what that tray is that you just put in there. And I don't know what you just pulled out. But in and out, you're seeing them, and they're, just, they're working, and they're sweating, and they got their giant, you know, clothespin. You go, guys. You're killing it, or whatever. Safety pin. They work hard, right? And they're given, you know, a lot of responsibilities and, and help, and so they're able to get higher caliber because they're, they're taken care of. They feel honored, and it's easier to work in that sense, right? So this is... This is I think, a universal principle. Um, and, and it kind of comes off of the idea of poverty, mindset in the kingdom versus generosity, right? And we see that a lot. Like, you don't want to be the, we don't want to bury our talents. We want to use them and utilize them to bless people, everyone that's around us. So if you've got a business and you're underpaying your people, then you shouldn't, <laughs> if you can. If you can, that's the other part, if you can. If it's not, then, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work, then, then that's the other part of it. Um, and it's not an entitled thing, but it's just like, hey, you bless me, I bless you, it's good. Uh, verse 19, 19, it says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder uh, except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. Accusations are serious, right? And defamation of character is serious. Um, and they need to be taken seriously, and you need to get to the bottom of it. Because not everything is true. So I think we got to be careful on both sides of this coin, right? Especially because there's been a lot, a lot of corruption and downright evil things that have happened in church history and in church present like happening now, I mean, just like, come on, it keeps coming out, right? There's also a lot of false information that could ruin reputations based on a lie. How many of you have had a rumor or a lie told about you? Anybody? Yeah, raise your hand. Isn't that wild? Do you feel so helpless when that happens? It is like a terrible feeling because you're like, I have to defend myself but you feel like this is how, what anyone would say. This is what they would say if they did it, but didn't want you to think that. You know what I'm saying? You guys kind of get the idea. It's wild. Being falsely accused. And there's something about it that gets to the core of you. Like, like this is like, I, I don't feel safe. 
I don't feel, you know. And so the best way to get to the bottom of that, especially uh, when you hear someone saying something like that, often the person that can solve the problem is not the person the accusation's made about. That can be the case. Uh, and that will be part of the process. But it's someone on the other side who doesn't love gossip, who doesn't love getting into all the junk and doesn't go, oh, tell me more. I always thought they were like that. I could see that. Oh, yeah, I bet they did this too. And then all of a sudden, imaginations run wild. The best way to do that is to say, when someone brings something up or says something, let's go talk to them. And they're like, no, 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 no. Let's keep it right here. I don't want to actually talk to them about it. It's more fun to kind of embellish and think about what the possibilities can be. Let's make up our own ending. You get to the bottom of that, so you go, two or three witnesses, hey, you said this happened, you said this happened, let's go deal with it. That's the good way to do it, right? It's kind of like Matthew 18, like, this is how we deal with conflict. We go, and we address it, and we try to figure it out, and work it out head on, right? So, not dealing with it, major issue, right? That's not good. But giving false accusations, also not Good. So let's wait and make sure we actually have the information before we move forward. Let's make sure we understand what's really going on, especially in a person in leadership. Um, because you can ruin, like I said, a lot of uh, expectations. Uh, or not expectations, but uh, reputations. Like, man, that, that, that's brutal. Like, you made them look terrible and smeared their name. You know, I remember uh, when I first started working at the packing house, one of the pastors there who I love, we have a really close relationship now, but he swore he saw me, like, beat up a kid in the parking lot at the church. And I'm like, I did not do that. I would remember doing that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't do it. And, and I don't know if he still might not believe that. I mean, he still might think it might have happened. I was a kid, too. So he's like, I th you, you were, like, you know, in high school or whatever. And I was like, I didn't beat anyone up in the parking lot. He's like, yeah, I think you did. I think I, well, then it was someone else that looked like you. I said, well, then it was someone else who looked like me. It was not me. And I'm before the Lord, it was not. Me. But it's, like, so frustrating when you hear something like that. It's just like, I... I, I'm, what else can I say? I didn't do it. You know, ended up being okay. We don't like those kind of things, the, those accusations, because it's, it's like, what are we doing? We got to be careful. The truth is our friend, and we got to get to the bottom of issues. That's a lot of the marriage stuff we've been going through, right? The marriage, through our marriage ministry, it's like, you do something that makes them do something that makes you do something that makes them do something that makes you do something that makes them do something. And the guy calls it the crazy cycle, and then all of a sudden you're spinning. The faster you can get off that and deal with the real issue, the better. Same thing with our relationships. The sooner we can get to the bottom of it, but that takes, that takes character, that takes restraint, that takes wisdom. And it's not fun. What's more fun is drama. That's why all our shows have drama. They build the drama. Oh, she said that. Oh, I would never. You would. You are right now doing that and worse. Anyway, so it's this good, wise counsel to Timothy that we can relate to, right? 
Okay, here we go. So um, also, he says, those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. So if there is a problem, deal with it publicly. If there's a major issue that's causing, that that's, affects everyone, deal with it publicly, okay? Especially when people know what's going on. Um, this actually helps, believe it or not, the person in trouble. Want to know why? Because it removes the imaginations of everyone. Here's the actual information. You know? Because you, tell me how often you think about worst case scenarios. It's never as bad as you think it'll be, is it? You know, rarely. Usually you think much worse than it actually is. And you get into it and you go, okay, all right. Now we know what was going on. And here, look at it, it's been dealt with. It shows that you have capable uh, uh leadership and, and uh, responsible accountability, in a sense. And it gives everyone an opportunity to see failing, confession, and then the process of, depending on how it goes, um, you know, uh, being made right before the Lord and, you know, depending on if it's really gnarly, stepping down, whatever, however that looks. So he says, do that in front of them all that they also, that the rest also may fear, fear of God. Like, to show that we care, that there's no, like, we're not, like, just kind of, like, yeah, it's no big deal. That's a big deal, right? Because you could say it, but you've got to show that you do it. So, I mean, I just think it's funny, like, you, one of your kids does something to another one of your kids. I have a lot of kids' examples, you know, because I have three. Um, but, like, one of them does something to the other one, and they, they've been wronged, and they, they absolutely have, and they're wondering if that person got punished. Did they get punished? Did you deal with it? I don't think you've talked to them yet. I think you let that go. You would not let that go with me. And you're like, actually, I've let a lot go with you. You guys are all living in, in amazing grace, let's say, at this point, right? But they want to know because they go, well, if you don't care, then I don't care. And now I can do that. <laughs> doesn't seem like it's a very big deal, you know? So we can, we can just keep on going down that road. So that's, that's an important thing to be done um, so that everybody goes, no, this is serious. We take this stuff seriously. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in people other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. More things to remember as a leader. And I think, you know, obviously as a leader, I'm like, this is, it, these are painful. <laughs> you know, you're like, all right, Lord. Okay. All right. Check, check, check. You know, like find, figure it out. Where am I off on this? How am I, where, lipness test. Am I acidic or am I basic? What am I doing here? You know, but I think it's important for all of us to think this way. Right, because we're all ambassadors of Christ in our spheres of influence, and and many of us have leaders with our leaders without a title. I think I think we're all supposed to be in effect leaders. We're supposed to be leading the charge, leading the 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 culture, moving forward. Okay. So this kind of applies to everyone, right? So um, that you observe these things without prejudice doing nothing with partiality. James talks about that as well, right? That we would do these things without prejudice, without partiality. 
that we would view people uh, like God views people, that we value people like God values people. Not for what you can get out of people, not for what you can, you know, manipulate or whatever, where you're like, you can't give me anything, so I don't want anything to do with you. And you can give me something, so this, that's the James thing. Come sit in the best seat at the house. We made you a special, you know, chair. Here's a plaque, you know. Wow. Let's honor, you know, he's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Show value. Care about all of them, right? Don't lay hands on hastily. That's raising someone up too quick. I had a good conversation with a friend of mine. We were talking about this. And um, after being, I've been in ministry for a while now, um, and I've seen a lot of friends and, and people I know, especially the more gifted they are, the faster people want to raise them up. And it's not like they don't want to be raised up most, for the most part. These are usually driven, charismatic people who have, you know, uh, like drive. Let's go. Let's, you know, let's, let's do this. Like, I'm not want to sit back and wait. Let's, let's use this for the Lord, you know. But oftentimes they don't have the character to match what the calling would eventually be. So the character has to be built before you step into the calling that goes before you. And this is in, in, it's incredible advice. We see it sometimes where a celebrity is raised up. Oh, this person became a Christian. Let's have them speak at our conference. And you're like, are you kidding me? We had someone just become a Christian a couple weeks ago here. Do you want them to speak at the conference? No. Well, then why would you have a celebrity speak at the conference? Right, And that part of that is understanding that we are hurting them by doing this. You're putting them in a really, really, really bad position by doing this, a novice, right? And I think uh, the greater the person gift, the gifted, the more gifted the person is, the greater the risk there is, right? If you love them, you will let them grow and mature, right? If you want to use them, you will ruin them. Um, and even if they want it really, really, really bad, right? Because remember the Christmas story? Got to get that Red Ryder BB gun, right? You're going to shoot your eye out. And he goes, I shot my eye out, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, my son is 11. It's like five foot one. He can reach the pedals in a car, He's taller than some of you, right? He is not ready to drive as much as he probably thinks he is. And he probably does, by the way. He probably thinks he could totally drive. But hey, here's the keys. I, he's the type of kid that would probably do it. All right, dad, let's go. I'm like, yeah, okay, he's terrifying. No, he's a good boy, but he probably thinks he can do it. Just, just because you look like you can doesn't mean you actually can. So we've got to be really, 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 really careful about that, right? Um, because it's, uh, you know, it's a, ch it's a quick fix. It's a cheap counterfeit. We want to we we do everything we can to see people succeed in the long run. Because I'll say this, my friends, I can think of two in ex as an example that were like amazingly gifted in what they did, and um, they got raised up really fast. And here's the, here's the thing, they got a huge following very fast, very fast. And then everybody around them says, oh, my goodness, look at what God is doing. 
And it's like, to some extent, you go, he is, but there was no, there wasn't enough wisdom to ground it and to make it work long term. So it's like looking back, you almost go, I wonder if that was like all bad. I don't even know what that was. And what you find is a lot of times is those people who promote someone like that or in those positions, they, uh, all the people that come around them aren't people that want to help them mature. They're people who want to use them. How can I hitch my, my wagon to someone who's gifted and charismatic? So this is really, really important, okay? Because um, I for sure thought I was ready to be a senior pastor within like probably three weeks of being a Christian. I mean, I didn't really think that, but maybe. I don't know. I remember joking with the senior pastor of the packing house. We were at, at, at uh, or I wasn't saying it to him. I was saying it to someone else because I had this kind of sense of humor. And I didn't realize it was inappropriate at the time. Uh, but we're all eating breakfast after a men's prayer. And someone says, so Chris, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, oh, I'm going to be a senior pastor of a mega church. It was a joke. It actually was a joke. But everybody's like, it was like the record scratch. Stop. I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, I wasn't really serious, but like, it's like, that's kind of the thing. I, I could probably do this. I could probably do this. And like, looking back, it would have been like shipwreck, I mean, gnarly. It's like, instead, you're going to have to endure very hard seasons. <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to work and do this. And you're going to have to make it all, you're going to have to do all of this. You're going to have to go through the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs, uh, because it's like, the breaking and the maturing is a huge part of the process, and that's true for all of us. So if you feel like you're in a season of breaking and you're in a season of, like, uh, what is going on, God is, that's usually when God's doing the most. It's like preparing you so you can actually recognize and be, like, dependent on him. can't do this on my own. Right? And he says this, uh, so yeah, don't lay hands hastily, nor share in pe- other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Don't get pulled in the mud. This is especially hard when you're helping someone battle through like gnarly stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, sometimes when you go into the, a dark world with someone to try to pull them out, it's, it, the warfare is gnarly. I mean, crazy. You guys, many of you have probably experienced this. It's like, I feel like I'm dealing with like a stronghold here. Like, you're going in and you're, like, praying. It's, like, it's so easy to get caught up. But we got to keep ourselves pure. Um, And we have a part in that, staying pure. Because he says, keep yourself pure. Of course, the Lord uh, enables us uh, by his grace, gives us the ability to choose the opposite of sin and to follow him. But we have a part where we are to keep ourselves pure. James 1, 27 says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, while they're in trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To keep yourself unspotted from the world. Because there's so many things that want to do that. Verse 23, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Um, as an elder, it says not given to wine. We see that earlier, right? And as we could see, Timothy is not given to wine. Because he says, no longer drink only water. Because he's been drinking only water. Part of it is that water was probably pretty gnarly, right? Um, but he says, uh, take some wine. It was notorious in this day for medicinal use. It also says a very little amount, small amount, <laughs> Go get hammered for Jesus, Timothy, you know. Uh, 
um, that'll preach. That'll bring a crowd, right? Uh, but it, the, the reason is, is medicinal. But I also think it's important for pastors to think about this or leaders to think about this to literally take care of yourself. And I think that's one of the things that happens a lot. Um, you just you get going and work and do and do, do, do. And physical, you lose your physical, you don't think about your physical health. And that's really important too. Because um, you go, oh, the Lord will take care of that. And he's like, well, he's giving you the ability to do that too. Um, so anyway, verse 24, some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Character matters. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Got to remember that. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, we want to see our leaders make it to the end. We want to see leaders make it to the end. There's like nothing more heartbreaking than seeing leadership fall. And I'm like, you think about yourself, I'm thinking about myself. Like, I do not want to do that. So take heed, right? Slow process, steady. Do your, do your workout plan. Do your running plan. Slowly grow and grow and grow and grow. And before you know it, you'll be running the marathon, right? It's not a race. A race will leave you tired and all busted up. We, uh, Went to Colorado one year, and I've ta talked about this hike before. It's a 4,000-foot hike starting at 9,000 feet of elevation, so it's a gnarly hike. And we had one of our girls from uh, Aliso say, hey, is it, I walk a lot, so is it okay if I just go ahead of everyone and just get up there before everybody else? And I said, sure. Just thinking, you've not done this hike, uh, and you've probably never been above altitude of like 6,000 feet. We're going to be above the tree line soon here. Um, and so I was like, yeah, sure. You can go ahead of everybody else. She takes off like a rocket. Boom. And you're like, this is a long hike. And she's going, going, going. I'm like, well, she's kind of going pretty fast. Uh, within less than, probably less than a half mile, uh, she's on a, on a rock puking. <laughs> it's like, not, not even, no chance, you know? Like, I mean, just absolutely rocked by the proposition. I mean, like, just no way. And you're like, you good? And so everybody's giving her Gatorade and stuff. She did make it up the hill. But, I mean, that, that, it just, just rocked her. I was riding, uh, I, used to, I did road bikes at one point, uh, and I was riding with my friend, Dave Gus, many of you know, was an ex-pro racer. And his legs are just, you know, huge. And he was a, such a gracious guy. He'd let me ride with him all the time. And then he said, hey, we're going to ride with some of my buddies today. Hold on as long as you can. I said, okay. So um, we met up with him, I think, like La Costa. And as long as I could was like swamis. Um, and I have never been more exhausted in Encinitas in my life. And I was bonking coming home on like a five-mile ride. But these guys are like conversating at like 30 miles an hour. I feel like, I'm like, ah, I'm pushing as hard as I possibly can. I'm holding on for a little while, but then I'm toast. You sprint, you go too hard, right? Problems come. It's all in the character, right? It's in the slow growth, the slow process over time. So we want to make sure that we're not taking shortcuts now, right? So this, this is all a call to for leaders to remain pure, impartial, and above reproach. It's called to churches to support their pastoral leader and help them in these ways too, right? 
if you want to see that too, because I don't, I don't, I'm like, I want to see that in other pastors. So how do I help them do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, besides just yourself, let's call the church to support the leaders and then also call for both us and, you know, the whole, all of us to be good witnesses to the world through the way we live. That's, it's all, that's what it's all about. That it, we wouldn't be ashamed that the word of the Lord would go and move and, you know, so that's what we want to see. And so we all need grace. We all need grace. There is not a day we will be perfect on this side of eternity. And we're going to need continued forgiveness. And we're reminded of that. This is the first Sunday of the month. We're reminded of that with communion. And so we take this, this, this cup, and we take the, the, the bread, the wafer, and it represents the body of Christ who was broken for us. It's his body that, that uh, was, you know, whipped and beat and scorned, right? And we take that and we remember that. And then we, we have the cup, uh, the grape juice, which represents the blood of Christ that was shed for us. The center of the Pentateuch, the center of Leviticus, the day of atonement. It was all about the atonement and that's found in the blood of Christ. So he says, uh, you guys, these are the things you do in remembrance of me. Constantly come back to the cross because you're still, you're gonna be messed up. Don't let that mess up become a much bigger mess up. Come before me quickly. You know how this manifests itself? It's called uh, confession before the Lord. God, here's where I'm telling everyone I'm at, but here's where I'm actually at. Here's where I'm actually messed up. And here's the things I know of. I know there's things I don't know of. Here's the ones I do know of. And then bring him before him and, and, and recognize that he is faithful and to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we do that right now. We're going to have a song of worship uh, and we're going to have communion. And then afterwards, uh, we'll close in another one and we'll have the, the bake sale and hanging out. So... Let's just pray, Lord. And, and then also with the communion, you guys can come up at any point.